Sports fans rejoice. You're listening to my team, my voice with MTMV Sports. What is good, everybody? This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. You are listening to MTMV Sports. My team, my voice, your team, their voice. They got you covered every day, every time that you need it. Keep it locked. Amazon Prime members now get free grocery delivery with a minimum order. You'll get your groceries with two-hour delivery. So in that time, you can finally figure out where the biblioteca is, learn how to play the acoustic guitar, and I guess get a puka shell necklace. Do a makeup tutorial, but realize halfway contouring is hard, and you're beautiful just as you are. Whatever it is you're doing with your time, your shopper will be carefully picking out your favorite organic meats, produce, dairy, and snacks while providing contactless delivery to your door. Free two-hour grocery delivery, now with Prime. The world has changed, and Microsoft Teams is there to help us stay connected. Teams is the safe and secure way to chat, meet, call, and collaborate. To learn more, visit Microsoft.com slash Teams. Hello, everybody. I'm Ed Robinson, and welcome to another exciting edition of The Robinson Show. On the program, I have Rochelle Cannon. She is a National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach. The uh, the Coast Guard veteran is going to be on the program to discuss her career and also some other things that she's working on. Rochelle. Hi, I'm Dorothy Hamill. As I look toward 65, I'm starting to think about Medicare. Aetna Medicare Advantage plans start at $0 monthly premiums and offer dental, vision, and hearing in most plans, plus telehealth options so I can see a doctor right from home. I love how Aetna makes healthier easier. This is a paid endorsement for Aetna. Aetna Medicare is an HMO PPO plan with a Medicare contract. RSMPs also have contracts with state Medicaid programs. Enrollment in our plans depends on contract renewal. Plan features and availability may vary by service area. It's coming up after the break. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Robinson Show. At Root, good drivers save up to 52% on car insurance. That's because we care most about what really matters. Your driving. Not your age. Not your job. Not your zip code. It's how you actually drive that matters most to us. And it's the... When you're sick, every minute counts. So don't go anywhere. Go to DispatchHealth.com where high-quality medical care comes directly to you. No getting out of a sick bed. No crazy driving to an emergency room. No endless paperwork. No hospital waiting rooms. Visit DispatchHealth.com to learn about our medical professionals, then make house calls. Dispatch Health is covered by Medicare and most major insurance. Go to DispatchHealth.com. Okay, let's see here. Zip 30313, number of employees 11. Okay, find health plans. Only United Healthcare makes it this simple for small business owners to compare and shop health plans. Find the information you need and get a quote in minutes online, anytime. And if you need help, we're there with personalized guidance and recommendations. Get started at smallbusiness.uhc.com. Based on an analysis of shopping capabilities among national insurance carriers, United Healthcare 2020. Insurance coverage provided by or through United Healthcare Insurance Company or its affiliates. Number one factor that determines your price. That's how good drivers can save up to 52%. Switch to Root today and see how much you could save. 
Disclaimers may apply. See joinroot.com for details. People who are sick should stay home. You don't go to an emergency room. You don't go to a clinic. You get on the phone and you ask for advice and instructions from your physician. Then you use those instructions to determine what you're going to do. But the first reflex should not be, I feel sick, I'm going to go to an emergency room. I feel sick, I'm going to just go to a doctor's office. We need to physically separate. Ultimately, you may need, obviously, to see a physician or to go to a hospital. The first reflex. With everything going on in the world right now, credit card debt is the last thing you want to worry about. And Associated Credit Union understands. That's why when you transfer your debt from your current issuer through September 30th, 2020, you'll receive a rate of 3.9% APR for 12 months on balances transferred. A lower rate means less money that you have to pay towards the interest fees and more money going towards the actual balance. So take advantage of the special offer by visiting acuonline.org today. Associated Credit Union helps you live, bank, and grow, and anyone in Georgia can join. Should be to make a Okay, let's see here. Zip 30313, number of employees 11. Okay, find health plans. Only United Healthcare makes it this simple for small business owners to compare and shop health plans. Find the information you need and get a quote in minutes online anytime. And if you need help, we're there with personalized guidance and recommendations. Get started at smallbusiness.uhc.com. Based on an analysis of shopping capabilities among national insurance carriers, United Healthcare 2020. Insurance coverage provided by or through United Healthcare Insurance Company or its affiliates. Call to your physician. The world has changed, and Microsoft Teams is there to help us stay connected. Teams is the safe and secure way to chat, meet, call, and collaborate. To learn more, visit Microsoft.com slash Teams. Get smarter with your investing. With help from knowledgeable professionals, customizable trading platforms, and investor education designed just for you. At TD Ameritrade, where smart investors get smarter. I know we are facing a very tough moment with the spread of the coronavirus. It's tough, but we all have to help each other. First, a big shout out to all the doctors, nurses, medical staff, and others who are working so hard to keep us safe during this time. Please pay attention to what the health experts are advising, from good healthy habits to social distancing. Also, if you are passing information to others, make sure it's correct. Visit the World Health Organization. Save time by scheduling your free flu shot at CVS today and get a $5 off $20 shopping pass. Visit cvs.com slash flu to get started. No cost flu shots with most insurance. Restrictions apply. Visit cvs.com for details. Organization for the most up-to-date information on the coronavirus. Let's be there for each other. And let's work as one team. The world has changed. And Microsoft Teams is there to help us stay connected. Teams is the safe and secure way to chat, meet, call, and collaborate. To learn more, visit Microsoft.com slash Teams. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. This is what high blood pressure looks like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. I can't button up a shirt. I can't run. I've had to learn to swallow again. That's the only moment that I have. 
And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. Had I done this, had I done that, hell, I messed up. Get back on your plan or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. At this time. The world has changed, and Microsoft Teams is there to help us stay connected. Teams is the safe and secure way to chat, meet, call, and collaborate. To learn more, visit Microsoft.com slash Teams. All right, everybody, welcome back to the program. And now I want to bring on my guests on this on this uh, show's program. She is a National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach, and she's also a, a Coast Guard veteran. We're going to talk to her about what she does in health and wellness, as well as her military background and also her athletic career. And amongst other things, we want to welcome to the Robinson Show, Rochelle Cannon. Hello, Rochelle. Welcome aboard. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you once again for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the program. So let's start off from the beginning. I'm looking at your uh, your upbringing right here. You were born and raised in Bristol, Connecticut. Bristol is an interesting place. It's home to uh, a sports network called ESPN. So uh, tell me what was your upbringing like uh, growing up in Bristol? Uh, it was it was really good, actually, and you're absolutely correct. Uh, ESPN is uh, our claim to fame. Uh, it was uh, a, kind of a small town, but uh, fairly diverse, and uh, it was just really positive. Uh, really, I, I think that's the best thing I can say. Uh, I I loved growing up there. I think it was I think it's a great place to raise a family. Uh, but I think as a young adult, and then as you get older, uh, you know, you really have to go to New York or Boston to get a little more exposure to more things but otherwise it, I think it, it was a it was a nice place to be raised you know I've heard and you could correct me if I'm wrong you mentioned the two major metropolitan cities New York City and Boston and I've heard uh, people that live in Bristol well, particularly people that work for ESPN normally to get away they normally will go to New York City or go to Boston because they serve kind of like as bedroom communities for that for the town of, of Bristol uh, did you have an op- have an opportunity during your uh, growing up to visit New York City and, and Boston yes several times actually and probably New York more than Boston uh, I grew up taking tap jazz and ballet and uh, at, when you get to the senior levels, uh, every winter, uh, I think it might have been January, our dance instructor and some volunteer moms would, we would all take a train down to New York City and go to a big dance convention. So we would stay at the Grand Hyatt Hotel, go see a Broadway show, have a nice dinner, and then the next day we would participate in the big dance convention at the Hyatt all day long. So uh and then as a family, we would frequent New York City um, as well very often. So, uh, oh, yeah, love New York. Love, love, love New York. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, New York is uh, the city that never sleeps, and a lot to love about New York. And uh, let's stay with uh, – I want to ask you uh, before we move on to something else. Again, I mentioned that um, ESPN is uh, headquartered in Bristol, Connecticut. The main headquarters are in Bristol, Connecticut. Did you ever have an opportunity to meet any of the ESPN personalities, such as Stuart Scott or maybe uh, Steve Levy or Bob Lee? No, no. I left – I left – Bristol. Oh gosh, let me take that back. I, well, I left Bristol when I was 17 when I went to college. And even though I went to college in Connecticut, uh, and I did go to the Coast Guard Academy, which is down in New London, Connecticut. Um, I left the state of Connecticut when I graduated at 21. So I had already been gone before uh, I even knew those guys were there and before they even expanded land wise to all the territory they're at now. So ESPN was small in one building when I was growing up. Okay, now let's move along now. You mentioned the military, and you uh, you served as a, a commissioned officer for the United States Coast Guard from 1996 to 2001. Tell me, how did you get involved in the Coast Guard? So I, interestingly, was planning to go Army first because my father – was a retired Army Reserve officer, and he was very much into history, and he took the family on a field trip, basically, to West Point in New York. And I just remember being really impressed. I thought the uniforms were nice, and I was enticed by the notion that it was a free education, and you had a guaranteed job for five years afterwards. So I had my sights on going to West Point, and then there was in, uh, I think it might have been Terryville, Connecticut, or Torrington, Connecticut, uh, there was an all-academies uh, meeting, so to speak, for all the high school kids in the state who were interested in going to the uh, one of the academies. And that's where two Coast Guard Academy recruiters approached me, uh, and one of whom became my sponsor dad, and uh, him and his wife. And so anyway, they approached me and just educated me about the Coast Guard. I had never heard of the Coast Guard growing up in Connecticut. You would think I did, but I didn't. And so I applied to both academies. I got to spend a weekend at both academies to learn about them. And I just I was very fortunate. I got accepted into both. But when I weighed the pros and cons of the schools themselves, but then also the mission that's where I thought, you know, I want to go Coast Guard. I liked that it. it was a peacetime mission, saving lives, uh, cleaning up the environment, particularly like when there's oil spills, uh, drug interdiction. And uh, I love the water. I love to swim. I'm a fish in the water. So that's how I ended up going the Coast Guard route. Wow, excellent choice right there. You know what's interesting when a lot of people – pick their their next vocation in life, particularly with college. They, they normally pick reasons such as, well, I want to go because my friends are going there. But you were very specific on, on what you wanted to do and how you want, where you wanted to go because you, you gave an ex, a, a great explanation because, as you said, you like the discipline, you like the uniforms, and also you could make a difference in, you know, dealing with water. So that's a – you already knew already knew, knew the reasons why you wanted to go to the academy. So uh, during your time at the – at the Coast Guard Academy, you earned a Bachelor of Science degree in political science. Now, was this something that you 
originally wanted to be in in the field of political science or was or was that the only major that major that was kind of like available at that particular time right so uh political science was nowhere on the horizon or on my radar uh, the now the academies were the smallest of all of the service academies only offered i think about six different engineering majors political science management, uh, and then I th- there might have been computer science or something like that. And um, I actually, had I, not gotten in, had I not been accepted into one of the academies, I wanted to, I would have been a residential architect. So I uh, kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Naively, <laughs> naively thought, <laughs> well, okay, there, there's, there's naval architecture, at the Coast Guard Academy, uh, that's close to architecture, you know, in my mind, but just for ships. And I, I tried, and I did not do well academically my very first semester. I, I it was, it was quite a shock uh, because it's completely uh, atypical of a, a college with all the obligations and everything. So, uh, after not doing so well that first semester, I, I chose not to fight to try to go the engineering route. So I actually tried the uh, management route, business management, and I (laughs) did not do well in macroeconomics. So I thought, oh, I guess I'll try, try the political science government route, which I quickly learned the basically two thirds of your grades were uh, your papers, writing papers. And then the other third was your class participation. And I'm very comfortable talking. I can talk and one of my strengths is writing. I can write well. And so that's really why I ended up going political science. And so uh, I wrote very well. I finally was making the dean's list. And it was, it was interesting. I, I did find the major interesting. Was it my passion? No. But I like that I got to exercise my writing Skills and actually improved my writing skills. Uh, the teachers were were tough, but they they made you a better or much better writer. So uh, that's how I ended up being a political science major. I want to stay with the political science curriculum at the Coast Guard Academy. What was the curriculum 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 like? Excuse me, because you mentioned about you enjoyed writing and you enjoyed speaking. Did you have to engage in debates or was it um, anything learning about kind of like learning about the different branches of government? What was the curriculum like at the curriculum like at the academy? That's a great question. Uh, I have to dust the cobwebs off my memory. That was like a hundred years ago. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, <laughs> you know, we we didn't have major debates, but what what I do recall that stood out to me was. Learning about learning about the different governments and politics in other countries, uh, not just the United States, but other countries. Uh, so that was I always thought fascinating. Learning about other systems, other governments, and other countries. So that's it's always nice. It was well rounded. It wasn't solely just focused on the United States. So that's what's going on. Okay, awesome. Now, you served as an officer in the Coast Guard from 1996 to 2001. 
where were you stationed and can you share with us any memories or anything, any recollections that you may have of during your time as being an officer in the Coast Guard? Sure, sure. Uh, and it ended up being to 2002, so I did six years. You owe five years. I did six. Uh, I was stationed in uh, Atlantic Beach, North Carolina, and and also spent some time in uh, Galveston, Texas. And I was on uh, a boat, or a ship, I'm sorry, <laughs> a ship, a 180-foot buoy tender, and we basically fixed the different aids to navigation Absolutely loved loved it. It was quite a learning experience. Uh, I'll say, uh, and, I, and during that tenure, I was able to go to maritime law enforcement school, so I got qualified as a boarding officer. Basic, so basically, that's doing learning law enforcement, but on a boat or when you board a vessel. So you know, we we carried a nine millimeter um, gun, and you learn different tactics. If you had to take someone down, you learn about resolving conflict at the lowest level possible. So all of that was was wonderful. Uh, I did experience my first uh, really blatant sexism and racism on one of those ships. So that was that unfortunately does stand out as as a memory, uh, a major memory. But I had a very, very positive experience when I was then stationed in Portsmouth, Virginia. Uh, I got to attend search and rescue school. So that, that was fantastic. Learning how, so as an officer, uh, you don't get to do the super fun being out in the water and rescuing people, but you're, you're back in the home base coordinating the different resources and plotting the search area to save people. So that was extremely rewarding. Uh, I, I even have a, a thank you card from someone, this woman and her husband, because I helped coordinate to find her husband and save her husband. So, and I sell that thank you card to this day. So that was, that was just uh, extremely rewarding. And then uh, almost everyone ends up having to do a tour at the Coast Guard headquarters in Washington, DC. So uh, that's where my last duty station was, and I was put in a office where, to be quite frank, the project I was put on was an autopilot, and there wasn't a ton of work to do. So I, something in my gut said, you gotta, you gotta follow your passion, and that's where I knew in my heart and my gut I wanted to do something related to health and health and fitness, and just a few floors up, there was a program manager position that was to run the health promotion and wellness program for the Coast Guard, and so I just had a heart-to-heart my boss, and it was considered a no-cost transfer because it was just up a few floors, so I took that leap and absolutely loved it. I had major certifications that were required, but they were uh, extremely credible uh, from the Cooper Institute in Dallas, Texas. And that's when I realized, hey, if I want a job once I am out of the military in this field, I'm gonna need a degree. So I knew I didn't want to I knew I didn't want to have to get another bachelor's and that's when I just happened to be looking at a 
Shape, I'll never forget Shape Magazine. I'm flipping through, and then I did what I normally never do and just looked at the ads in the back, and I saw an advertisement for where I went to grad, where I ended up going to grad school. So I only had one prerequisite I had to take, which is anatomy and physiology. So I went to the local community college, took that class, and got accepted. So I was able to get my master's degree, master of sports science degree in health and fitness management. So I started it before I got out of the service, got my honorable discharge, and then finished my master's. And where I did my, what they call a mentorship for that uh, degree, I did well enough to where they immediately hired me once I, once I got that degree. So that's, that pretty much sums that up. <laughs> oh, well, awesome. You've done a lot. And I want to ask you about that transition, the next step that you made during your time in the Coast Guard. You mentioned that you served as a health promotion program manager. Can you explain to the audience what are the duties of that position? Sure. So I was in charge of – forgive me, I'd have to look at my resume to <laughs> recall the number. but It's okay. It's no problem. Yeah, so I had a huge budget, and I had 17 regional managers with whom I worked with, and they were civilians. And what you do is you you look at what are the current trends and like nationwide policies for things like tobacco cessation or physical activity, and I would work with the the area program managers to decide how are we going to administer these different programs to get to help the service members meet their requirements for passing the uh, fitness, you know, their fitness exams. Uh, I can't, the word evades me, but you have, you have, you have standards you have to meet, not just height and weight, but there's, there was a uh, physical fitness test that you'd have to pass. So we just worked together to not only develop policies that were applicable to us in the military, but how do we help our service members get fit, stay fit? Uh, And I, I would work with them to also develop tools to help them help themselves if they weren't always under the guise of a regional manager. So, for example, we had um, I worked on a uh, it was like a, a work a self paced workbook on how to set SMART goals and SMART is the acronym for specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time bound. So, helping members set their own SMART goals, uh, understanding how to assess where they're at, and then what the next steps are to uh, improve their health and well-being. So, and then the budget stuff is, uh, okay, we, how many people do we have in these different areas? Let's, how many HRAs, HRA is health risk assessment. How many HRAs do we need to order? Uh, And back then, a lot of stuff, as I'm sure you can imagine, was manual. So it was all paper. It wasn't all electronic. Uh, You know, what machines do we need? What do we do for, uh, cholesterol testing. So we would do the the basic cholesterol testing where you would use the lancet just to do a finger prick, just to get the uh, a general basic cholesterol test. So managing the budget for ordering those supplies and replenishing supplies uh, for that. So 
so that that's some examples of what I did as a as a health promotion program manager. Oh wow, that's awesome. That's very interesting to hear that right there. It's always it's always nice just to hear, especially with someone from coming from a military background and you're hearing specific duties like that. It's always interesting right there. And I wanna move along now to you mentioned your educational background and you earned your uh you are, we talked earlier about because you earned your bachelor's degree in political science from the Coast Guard Academy, and you earned a Master of Sports Science degree in health and fitness management from the United States Sports Academy. Now, you mentioned that you saw the ad in the back of the uh, back of Shape magazine, but tell our audience just in detail, like, what's the curriculum like, and what do you have to do to earn a degree or earn a master's degree in uh, sports science? Sure. So. The curriculum involved uh, things related to, of course, anatomy and physiology. Uh, curriculum, and there were different paths. I chose the health and fitness path. So I learned about the uh, ACSM's guidelines on exercise prescription. I learned about some of that curriculum is how would you, if you were to run a fitness center, what are the uh, proper spacing? What's the proper spacing for equipment? How would you properly lay things out? Uh, There's also looking into a little, just a little bit of the psychology behind uh, people uh, working out what and body body image issues. So looking at some of the things from a, the person, ranging from the person, the actual person who is going to be participating in health and fitness activities or attend, um, you know, joining a, a health and fitness uh, gym, and then all the way to what are the logistics of setting something up, setting up an actual gym or facility, I should say. I'm sorry, facility. So those are some of the things uh, I can think of, again, off the top of my head. Okay, well, that's good. Where is the the U.S. Sports Academy located at? So it's located in Daphne, Alabama, which is right next to Mobile, Alabama. Okay, okay. Okay, awesome. And then you also picked up another certification. You mentioned that you earned certification from the Cooper Institute in Dallas, Texas. Just I'll tell the audience, because I'm looking at it and it says that you became a certified physical fitness specialist and you also earned some other certifications. So it says you have a, a biomechanics of resistance, you're a biomechanics of resistance training specialist and a dietary guidance specialist and also a health promotion program director. So just kind of tell our audience just about your time and what you learned at the Cooper Institute. Sure. So that was the beauty of the job when I was in the Coast Guard uh, running the health promotion wellness program. It was mandated that I go to go to Dallas, which, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, twist my arm. Uh, it was a, an amazing opportunity to go there. Uh, and I spent a week there uh, let's see, I spent a week there obtaining the physical fitness specialist certification. So basically I was learning about how to be a, a personal trainer. 
uh, and they have since actually changed it to a personal training certification. I don't even believe they call it physical fitness specialist anymore. And if you so elected, you could stay an extra two days. I think it was like over the weekend to then get intensive instruction on biomechanics, biomechanics of resistance training. So you learn about proper form and function, how to teach people proper form and function, how to administer body composition tests, uh, understand learning uh, the body in proper form uh, and, and different, and also improper form and where it, there's compromises to your joints that are then going to cause injury. And then the, uh, the army has the army. Well, I, I'll say this. Many of the branches of service, including police and fire departments, often send people, so first responders are often also sent to the Cooper Institute to learn a lot of these uh, courses. And so there, when there's a, a, play, a site that has enough interest, instructors will go to the site. So for the health promotion director one, I actually was able to just go up the road to Aberdeen Proving Ground that's an army, uh, army base, and that's where for a week you learned about how to run a health promotion and wellness program. So you learn about how to survey your population to see what their needs are. You learn about analyzing the results of health risk assessments to see where the population needs help as well. Um, you learn about how to run contests. So, for example, uh, uh, let's say a, a step contest, you know, how many steps can a group, you know, the, the group that obtains the most steps or whatever type of physical, uh, healthy, friendly competition, you know, how you, how you would run one of those. So uh, the, those are some examples, you know, how, how to do, how to administer what we call pre-tests and post-tests on, uh, on people's, any area of wellness, quite frankly, and to see, okay, this is where they are here. How do we implement these different programs and then measure that change at the end of the program? And then ultimately, okay, what else can we do to help this become a lifestyle change? Not just a, Hey, I'm going to make a goal for two months. And then when I reach that goal, I'm done. So it's continuous. How do we continuously help people, uh, grow and incorporate different things to make healthy lifestyle choices part of what they do on a, a daily to weekly basis, not just a short-term basis. Wow, they, they, a, they did a lot at the Cooper Institute, and I want to I want to touch on one thing before we go to the next topic. You are also a dietary guidance specialist. Did that involve? putting together meal plans and learning about nutrition and, and how it uh, proper nutrition and how it works for the body. Right. And, and it was on a basic cursory level uh, because by no means does it make, did it make me or make you a um, certified nutrition counselor or a registered dietitian, but you learn enough of, it was nice because it taught us, taught us, enough of the basics to where we could assist someone and evaluate maybe what someone has written down that they, that they consume and how we can help them better balance out 
their meals. So it's never been about a diet or how to write a diet plan, but okay, where are the gaps in someone's uh, meal consumption or food consumption and what, how can we help them to make some different choices to better balance out their proteins or carbohydrates and their fats? And of course, reduce cholesterol, um, watch sodium, read a, read a food label, things like that. You know, one thing is for sure that, you know, diet and exercise go hand in hand. It's all, it's all about balance and uh, definitely have to let, it's amazing how the body responds to certain things that you put in your body. You can't have too, can't have too much of anything. You have to keep everything well balanced. So now you've um, had a solid upbringing and you've, earned all of, you know, have a a great educational background, and then you've had a a rewarding career in the military. Now you also have a current uh, rewarding career. What brought you into the world of bodybuilding? So, uh, yes, that is is my hobby. (laughs) And uh, I was was actually in the military at the time when uh, someone else stationed on a base happened to see my calf muscles I was wearing the military skirt one day for some reason and he just said you know you kind of you have big calves you should do bodybuilding and I thought he was crazy I thought he lost his mind Uh, because I I never envisioned me doing something like that and I thought oh I'm not big enough muscle wise and he said no 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 there you you could be absolutely and so he said you know there's so there's another uh, person on base who actually competes. Let me introduce you to him, and he can tell you about it. And so uh, he introduced me to uh, this health service technician. Uh, he was a first-class petty officer, Mike Jones, and he took me under his wing, taught me how to really taught me how to be comfortable in the gym and use the weights because I was very intimidated, like many women are, to go into a weight room that's full of men. So, uh, but before we even started, he had VHS tapes because we did not have DVDs back then, but he lent me, he lent me uh, a couple of D, uh, VHS tapes where I got to watch what it looked, what, what a prejudging is like, what the finals and the routines are that you do to music, how to pose, and it, I loved it. I thought it was really neat, and it was great and inspiring to see these women who were fit and muscular, still feminine and uh, healthy looking. And I thought, okay, I'm going to give this a try. And it was a very positive experience. I loved it. Uh, And I especially liked the routine part to music because it allowed me to incorporate my dance skills. Like I mentioned, I did tap jazz and ballet growing up. So I liked that I was able to combine the art of dance along with uh, the physical fitness stuff that I absolutely loved. So it was like a perfect uh, marriage so uh, I just was hooked after that. I learned about how to really eat healthy. I thought I knew it, but <laughs> when, you, when you get into the world of competition, you, you really learn what it takes to get a six-pack if you're looking for a six-pack. I knew enough basics to have a flat stomach, but not, not a six-pack. And um, just how to uh, improve the body and to see the changes by learning how to eat healthy, I was I was so amazed at what I personally experienced. So that's how I got that's how I got into the sport, and I was fortunate to have really good mentors along the way. And I think that's important to mention because uh, 
I think that, not I think, I know from observation and just over time, uh, you, you know, learning from working with different people, that if you're not careful, the pendulum can swing way far from one direction to the other. And so fortunate that I've had mentors who helped me, who helped teach me the importance of having a healthy mindset going into competing and doing what I can to not let it consume me and be the end all be all because just like, so people can, people can develop, uh, unfortunately, a very poor uh, body image even when they compete. So for what most of us would think looks like a perfect body, if you don't have, I, I believe, if you don't have a good mentors along the way, your perception of what you see in the mirror can become very skewed and then you never think you're good enough and then that's not healthy either. So uh, I feel, I know that I've been doing this since 1998 because I've had really good mentors along the way. And uh, I know I took three years off in between all since 1998 till now, there was a period of time. It took three years off to go to grad school because I was also working full time and it's, it's a lot to balance and you've, you've got to, I chose to prioritize that way and not burn the candlestick at both ends. Uh, and there was a point in 2014 where I thought, you know, I really want to focus more on career. So I took a break for five years from competing. Uh, and it was not just a good physical break, but also a good mental break. So, but, and then last year I said, you know what, I want to get back into it. I'm not done. So I did. That's what I did. That's awesome. I want to touch on a point that you mentioned. You know, it's not just the physical side of of the sport, but also the mental side of sport. Just like a lot of things in life, it's really more about the mental side of things. Uh, you know, the one of one of the beauties about one of the beauties of sports is the whole psychological impact. How important is? I want you to touch more just about the psychological impact of not just in your chosen sport, but just just anything in life in general. Just I just want you to expound more just on how important it is to have a right mental state of mind in, in entering something. Sure. Uh, I would say it's extremely important to, first and foremost, determine what your why is, your reason, and get yourself acquainted, if you can, with a good mentor and sometimes it might mean that you've got to go through a couple different mentors so you find the right one for you uh no, again no matter what that field is because it it's really important to develop that emotional intelligence to know that while it's can be competitive no matter what it is don't learn self-awareness we don't define what matters most to us we can get lost and lose sight of that and then that's where we start doing things that go against what we feel in our gut go against what our value systems are and that's where I think that people can get into dangerous waters maybe turn into maybe turn to self-destructive behaviors to cope or to or to feel numb uh, it, and not feel something um, or to 
turn a blind eye to something that isn't feeling right or sensing right or feeling like that we're never good enough or have to push, push harder to be bigger, better, stronger, faster, smarter, whatever, whatever it is, er, right? And so uh, trying to keep in mind, okay, where, where can I find the balance and be okay if I'm not the best at XYZ or not number one all the time and mentally being able to, yes, pay attention to the details, but what's the bigger picture, right? And what, what do I value and what, what's adding value to my life? How am I adding value to whatever it is? Uh, and, but, and not at the cost of a healthy relationship with ourselves and our self-image, but also with others, our family, our friends. So, yeah, that's what I think. Good points that you touched on right there. I want to uh, stay in the world of bodybuilding for a moment. Do you remember? You, do you remember your first contest? I absolutely do. It was down at Norfolk Naval Station, and uh, yeah, I think it was Norfolk Naval Station, and I might not have the name of it perfectly correct. And there were only three of us in my class. I'll remember that, and it was novice. And uh, I, I remember I actually, because I wasn't fully sure about the whole choreography to a routine and whatnot, I had, uh, I actually paid someone to choreograph for me. And when I learned, oh, this is kind of slow, from there I, I could spread my wings and always choreograph not just my own, but I eventually would choreograph for other people. But, yeah, no, it was very positive. I wore a purple suit. Uh, my good friend who was also in the Coast Guard, uh, her name is Dawn. Her and her husband were there uh, to support me, and I'm still friends with them to this day. So, like I said, that's since 1998. And, uh, yeah, it was just a very positive experience. Uh, and looking back, you know, I, you know I, I wasn't in the shape that I am now, and that's what I love. I love the evolution, uh, and I think there is a positive to the fact that I wasn't in the shape I am today back then. Uh, and there are people who get into the sport, and they're immediately they get in the fantastic shape. But for me uh, personally, I think it's been great to see the evolution from that very first. And I think because I had that first positive experience, and I and you know I think I got either first or second, maybe I got first in my, I think I got first in my class, but then when it came time for me to go up against the other girl for, uh, cause she won her class. So for the overall, she got, you know, she won the overall or something, something along those lines. I like that. I learned that it's okay. It's really okay. If you didn't get the overall, if you didn't get first place and you got second, you just, you get your feedback from the judges and that's exactly what I did. And, I worked on those things and I made improvements for the next show and it's been like that uh, ever since. So yeah, I definitely remember the first show. Might I ask you what weight class do you currently compete in or what weight classes have you currently com- have, have competed in in the past? Sure. So I can tell you, dependent on how many competitors there are that show up that day, often, oftentimes, will determine 
what class you end up in. There are some, and some organizations uh, will do it a little bit differently where anything below 125 or 124 is lightweight. Anything from 124 or 125 to 140-something, I'm just, you know, making a, kind of making up a number because I, I don't remember off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But they would group you okay. lightweight, middleweight, heavyweight. I have competed in lightweight before as I've – as my body has grown and matured and I've gotten to put on muscle over all the year, these years, there have been times where I ended up in the middleweight class. Uh, and then there are times where maybe I'm the only one in the lightweight or middleweight, but because there's not that many competitors, they'll have us all together at once. Uh, but I, I will tell you, God, I can't remember my weight back in 1998 but I currently compete anywhere from the low to mid 120s to 130. That's where I'm at now. So where I fall, um, well, now that I'm a pro, I will tell you, I just did my first pro show, and it wasn't separated by weight or height. It was just all of us together. So uh, I do hope in the future that the pro women's bodybuilding will maybe separate by weight class like they have done with the men. Okay. Well, um, you know, one of the, the aspects and one of the interesting components of bodybuilding is uh, diet. What does your diet consist of both uh, preparing for preparing for a competition and away from a competition? Sure. That's a great question. Uh, lots of lean protein sources. Uh, I choose to eat meat, so your, your chicken breast, turkey breast. Uh, sometimes it may, off-season I'll say I'd have something like flank steak, uh, 93% lean ground beef, egg whites. Uh, let's see, off-season I'll have more of the um, non-fat Greek yogurt, uh, preparing for show not and not preparing for, you know, off-season whey protein, you know, to make a shake for post-workout. Uh, healthy carbohydrates, so sweet potato, wild rice, quinoa, sweet potato, oatmeal. Um, i trying to think of other complex carbs. Oh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel bread. And then uh, I actually get to have, I, I do eat a little bit of fruit. It'll be pineapple or strawberries or blueberries for uh, fibrous vegetables. It would be spinach, asparagus, green beans. Uh, I think, yeah, those are the main staples. A dark leafy green, you know, any dark leafy green salad. Uh, sometimes it'll be a vegetable medley that's got peppers and edamame in it, and carrots, uh, sometimes broccoli. So that's, that's, an, that's the big picture of the types of foods. Uh, and oh, I, I do want to mention dark chocolate. I am a uh, chocoholic. I love chocolate. And okay. I will, yeah, I will have a little bit of uh, dark chocolate. So when I say dark, meaning at least 70% dark chocolate uh, every day, a little bit. 
every day. So a little bit meaning portioned out. Uh, I definitely eat more in the off season, but I keep it under control. So I never am completely deprived of something. And that helps me to keep that balance and not binge because now that I will say was not the funnest experience when I was prepping for my very first show. I'll never forget my, my trainer was like, okay, we're going to start Monday. So all the weekend before eat up all the complex carbs in your house and candy or no chocolate. And for three weeks, I don't even remember if I had, I know I had no chocolate and I don't remember if there were any carbohydrates, complex carbohydrates, and that was not good. <laughs> Even after three weeks, oh, I wow. And so, but I'll say that I know the concept of nutrition when you're prepping for competition has evolved, thank, thankfully. So I have also, and so it's been great. I've learned how healthy, com- healthy complex carbohydrates are your friend and it can be used to your benefit to help you to actually grow lean muscle tissue and to help you to have uh, energy for your workouts. Again, it's all, it might sound like a cliche, but it's so true. It's all in moderation. So measuring out and having certain portions based on what your individual uh, body type is like and how many calories your body burns and requires for the amount of activity you do. Again, it's so interesting, you know, with um, how the the human body responds to a, a diet. You make little changes, and as you mentioned, you talked about uh, simple complex, uh, simple complex uh, carbohydrates. Man, they make all of the difference in the world. It's made a difference for you and what you're continuing to do in your career. Now we've uh, touched. Uh, We've touched bases on the diet. I want to touch bases now on the training. When you're getting ready for a competition, what are your training days like? Sure. So changed. I I will say this past year they changed compared to what they've been like over all the past years. Uh, I'll start with the cardiovascular activity. Uh, Initially, uh, the mindset was you – start with half an hour in the morning, half an hour in the evening, and then it's 45 minutes, and then it's an hour, and then more and more cardio. I will say for some people that works, uh, I can tell you that while that certainly helped me to lose some body fat, I it, it never helped get me to where I needed to be conditioning-wise. I experienced a different approach with a coach I worked with last year and I've been working with this year. And she actually has me doing only 30 minutes of high intensity interval training for cardio. And I achieved getting to the best condition to date last year uh, with that amount of cardio versus when I had previous trainers having me do up to two hours of cardio a day. So, uh, and I, I'm not passing any negative judgment on coaches who have that approach because, like I said, it, everybody's body is different. And for a number of people, that works. For me and my body, it, it didn't work. But what did work was the shorter uh, period of time, intense. And the lifting, 
hour, hour and 15 minutes, uh, five days a week. So, yeah, that's – and the body parts, some some might only be once a week. So, like, for me, my legs are have uh, been my strongest part. So I only need to do legs once a week. But my other body parts, upper body, that those would be uh, oftentimes twice a week. So, and so, so on occasion, you know, depending on how things are looking with progress – pictures periodically maybe some of the body parts in the upper body are cut back to once a week so that's kind of what the training looks like and I personally found for me it's been best to do most of it in the morning first thing in the morning because as an adult working full-time or even if you're not working full-time let's say you've got kids or whatever your day can get your day can escape you and so if you can first thing in the morning get it done and out of the way then it's done you feel accomplished you did at least something for yourself so uh and also it's you know when you are getting ready for competition it's very beneficial uh when we're trying to tap into the fat stores to do it what we call fasted or on an empty stomach doing that exercise so that's what it's been like I want to me. stay with more a little bit more on your training. You mentioned about cardio. Do you do cardio to prepare for the the for the choreography for your routine, or as you mentioned earlier, you just simply do it just to uh, shed body fat? Oh, just to shed body fat. Uh, but now in the off season, I will maintain doing it th- at least three times a week for good heart health because it's still very important. Uh, it's something I teach people in my current profession is and and I've taught over the years our heart muscle is uh what we call cardiac muscle it's a unique muscle our heart muscle is different than any other muscle in our body so it's different from the muscles in our arms and legs and back and chest and so for good cardiovascular heart health we've got to do cardio we have to do some type of cardiovascular activity uh so that's why that's important so I still will do uh, cardio off season. Uh, and so for preparing for the routine part, uh, that for me is just a matter of, you know, the music and me listening to music and coming up with the idea in my head. But what, what I will say is part of, part of the conditioning, getting ready for competition is practicing the posing. Can't emphasize enough how, difficult and challenging that is which is why to this day I still will go to a posing class uh, and get posing uh, you know attend these classes where my posing coach will uh, Rod he will have us hold our poses and push through all the different poses and it's really challenging because basically you're doing what we call a static contraction so you're flexing the muscle and you're holding it whereas you know in the gym when you're let's say doing a bicep curl, you're contracting your muscle and then you're relaxing it, right? But when you are on stage, you're in that contraction phase and you have to hold it for sometimes up to a a minute, all right, 30 seconds to a minute. So you've got to practice that and that's conditioning your body to be able to hold it, learning how to breathe and control your breathing so your stomach isn't, you know, going in and out dramatically and it's conditioning your muscle 
memory so that when it comes time to be on stage, your body remembers, okay, this is what I have to do, and I'm going to hold it. And the more you practice it, the, uh, like I said, the more conditioned your muscle is and the less you, your body will actually sweat. Because when you're deconditioned, oh, you're sweating your tush off. But that's just another sign of uh, conditioning or not is practicing that posing. So that's just another element of preparation for a show. Awesome. Now, uh, continuing just in, in preparation for shows, do you compete in natural-based drug-tested competitions or do you compete with, in, in just competitions in general, or do you have a preference? Sure. Um, so I, I have competed in uh, natural drug-tested uh, and uh, there are, I mean, Testing can happen with any organization, uh, but certainly some, it's straight out the bat, you know, uh, you know that you're going to be tested for sure. Um, I, I don't have a preference. I have, for me, I have chosen to compete, excuse me, in organizations where I could look at your top uh, females who had similar body structure, height as me, and I would say, okay, that what is, what's going to help me to, you know, what's inspiring me, what's going to help me to work harder and, and become better and become the best me I can. So I will say across the board, whether it's drug tested or not drug tested, there are amazing uh, athletes, and um, I I can – compete in any of them but again I choose to go with okay where where am I going to be challenged what I feel is challenged the most so um, since earning my pro card uh, in one particular organization uh, and choosing to accept it I am uh, committed to just that one organization and I'm okay with that because I have experienced competing in several different organizations and this this one that I'm with now just happens to be the one that uh, can be the road to the, the the dream opportunity of competing in Las Vegas at the Olympia so that's where your legends like Linda Murray and um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Lee Haney all these uh, legends have um, competed, and that's you know there's just there's one particular organization that's gonna get you there. So that's where I'm at. I want to stay with uh, competing in contests. When you know you've done all of your training and you've uh, followed the diet and you, you're ready to to go and compete and hit that stage. Do you ever get uh, a little bit intimidated sometimes with, with the competition that you're up against, knowing that not all but some of the competitors are not competing the right way, or do you just kind of just go about doing your thing and just you've put your best foot foot forward and you just you've done your best? Every single time, always competed, always intimidated, <laughs> but um, uh, but it's a. Uh, if this makes any sense, it's, it's a, it's a healthy intimidation. It's, it's a, wow, that's impressive. Right. And, um, but I feel good 
but this is where, again, I keep talking about the good mentorship. That's where, while I can, I, I naturally will be intimidated. I also feel good about, Hey, I've done all, I've done all that I can. And even if I haven't been able to do all that I can, but feel ready to go ahead and, and do it. Um, I do it because I enjoy, I enjoy this as a celebration of the, the body, the, the health, being healthy, being able to display uh, hard work in the gym. And ultimately I'm a performer. I love to, you know, dance is my background. So for me, it's, hey, I hope that I place well enough to where I get selected as one of the top five or top however many who get to perform the routine at night on stage. So, um, yeah, yeah. I get nervous every time, but then I do it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I understand. Um, I wanted to ask you, do you compete naturally? I do. I do. Okay. All right, and then uh, I want to, you mentioned that you earned your pro card, so uh, congratulations on that. How did that happen? So I competed in a local show that was designated as a qualifier, a pro qualifier, which meant uh, if you won your class and whatever your division was, qualified you to another and. Some some shows is if you win first place, if you win your class. Some of it sometimes it's if you place top three or top two, whatever. Um, so I competed in a local show in Maryland, and actually competed in three different divisions. And so I qualified. I got first in all of them. Then that qualified me a week later to go to uh, a national level show. Actually, is an international show in a competition in Pittsburgh and that's where I entered a couple different divisions and actually got my pro card both in the bodybuilding and the women's physique. So two different divisions. I uh, was blessed to do, do well in both of them. Awesome. Congratulations again on that. Now I want to ask you before we go to another topic, what are your favorite cheat foods? Mm. Pizza. <laughs> okay. Um, chocolate cupcakes. Okay. And French and French toast. French toast and chips. Uh, chips. I like any type of Maui onion flavor chip. Uh, sea salt, cracked pepper. Anything that's got a sweet taste, honey barbecue, yeah, those those are the main things, right there. Oh, okay, great. Now I want to ask you about. Reese's. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? I said I said and then anything chocolate and peanut butter, so yeah, anything chocolate. Oh yeah, you did mention you like your dark chocolate. Yeah. You are a chocoholic, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, while we're on the yeah. uh, the, the topic of. Uh, of food, you know, food deserts are have been a problem for quite a while in in our country, and uh, the lack of accessibility to organic markets and grocery stores and things of that nature. Are you involved in any initiatives in terms of combating food deserts and just uh, getting the word out on how people can balance their diet? 
So not outside of work, I don't, but in my job, uh, I, I do uh, with some of our, some of the patients that we work with, get them uh, connected to local um, state um, programs that will help uh, subsidize subsidize, uh, the opportunity to buy uh, foods at different markets. Also uh, working with the community health workers who are out there in the field who are who are on the ground and able to say, hey, there's a new farmer's market here, or, you know, we found, you know, this location here where, and so working with them to get resources and uh, connect them with those community health workers to get to the, to get that accessibility. Yeah. So a little bit in my professional career. Yes. Okay, great. Now, I want to talk about just uh, how important it is for health and fitness in our minority communities. Again, it's a similar situation with food deserts. We have, you know, food, again, we have, it seems that we have more um, fast food restaurants as a, and more fast food restaurants and uh, less fitness centers in our urban areas and even some rural areas as well. Just got to tell our audience just how important it is what, what, how important health and fitness is in uh, minority-based communities and just, you know, getting more people involved in whatever type of activity they like. Sure. It's vital. It's because it really affects the immune system, the physical activity, uh, and, of course, the choices of food. And while, let's say, there's not access or monetarily can't, go to a fitness center, there are so many things that can be done with just our body weight. And, uh, and so in our, in our communities where there's not uh, that much, that's why it's so important to, with thanks to the internet, I will say, uh, taking a look to see what are different things that we can do inside our home. What are, what are some things inside our home that we can use, like jugs of water or milk to have some resistance training, uh, learning how to maybe incorporate using our kids, like holding our kids on our back and doing, you know, doing a body weight squat. Um, I mean, there are, there are dollar trees and dollar stores, even five below where uh, you can, it's really great. These places do sell sometimes some basic, basic uh, equipment like, like resistance bands. So, you know, I think no matter where the community is, everyone seems to have access to a cell phone, or the Internet, and uh, really utilizing those things uh, because, as we can see with what's going on in the current state of affairs, unfortunately the bulk of our people who are passing away from COVID – are people of color and uh you know until we can get on a more equal playing ground level ground with um access not just to healthcare but to uh several other things uh it's really important to do what we can with what we've got which you know we've had to do <laughs> had to do for 
hundreds of years anyway, but um, just making a choice, making a decision to say, okay, I might not be able to have access to this, but this is what I can do. And there's a ton of resources now online uh, to what we can do fitness-wise because that along with, hey, yeah, there's a lot more fast food places, but guess what? Let's pay attention to the fact that even just through the drive-through, they're going to po- they now almost all post how many calories are in different things. Let me choose the smaller option or choose the lower calorie option, uh, to, because we've got to start lowering our rates of uh, diabetes, type two diabetes, and obesity and high cholesterol. So, yeah, that's that's my input on that. All right. Well. Uh... Just uh, tell our audience, Rochelle, just uh, any uh, current projects that you're working on right now? Uh, well, I am, let's see, I am prepping for another competition. Um, I am uh, a brand ambassador for uh, an organization that has really been supportive of women's bodybuilding. So um, as the opportunities come up to go to different shows to uh, really promote uh, women to get back into uh, fitness and bodybuilding. Uh, I'll be doing that kind of travel. And um, I've actually started writing a book. Uh, that's one of my goals is to be a successful published author. So that's that's in the works. Okay, well, that's a great job. I mean, yeah, you definitely have your hands full. I mean, uh, you know, bodybuilding is one thing, but then you working on working on a book. I mean, that's okay. Let's see here. Zip three zero three one three. Number of employees eleven. Okay, find health plans. Only United Healthcare makes it this simple for small business owners to compare and shop health plans. Find the information you need and get a quote in minutes online anytime. And if you need help, we're there with personalized guidance and recommendations. Get started at smallbusiness.uhc.com. Based on an analysis of shopping capabilities among national insurance carriers, United Healthcare 2020. Insurance coverage provided by or through United Healthcare Insurance Company or its affiliates. Amazon Prime members now get free grocery delivery with a minimum order. You'll get your groceries with two-hour delivery. So in that time, you can use photo filters to imagine what you would look like with bangs. But don't do it. Just imagine. Meditate. Notice your body. Feel your breath. Am I doing this right? Get lost in a Wikipedia spiral. How do flowers propagate? Whatever it is you're doing with your time, your shopper will be carefully picking out your favorite groceries while providing contactless delivery to your door. Free two-hour grocery delivery, now with Prime. A whole other animal right there, but I know you've got your hands full with that. I know you're going to do great on that. Well, Rochelle, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the program. And before we let you go, can you let the audience know where they can find you on social media? And if you have a website, let them know that as well. Sure. Um, so Graham, and my handle is at Rochelle Cannon. That's R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E-C-A-N-N-O-N Fitness. So it's Rochelle Cannon Fitness. So that's where I can be found on Instagram. And then um, I do have a website under construction, and it's just RochelleCannon.com. And that's, that's it for now. All right. Well, the, well, you heard it from her. She's Rochelle Cannon. She's a, a professional athlete competing in uh, bodybuilding, and also she's um, doing her thing in the health and fitness world and uh, also taking her brand and 
getting into the uh, the world of books and working on her way to becoming a published author. Rochelle, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us on the program. And if ever you want to come back on, feel free to let us know. Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me, and I appreciate your time as well. No problem, and thank you once again. And that's going to do it for another exciting edition of The Robinson Show. I'm your host, Ed Robinson. Remember, put God first in everything you do when you can't go wrong. Until next time, stick to the script. I'm out here. Remember, uh, COVID is still real out there, so if you have to go out there, remember, wear your mask. Otherwise, if you don't have anything to do, just, you know, relax and stay home. Until next time, I'm out of here. Peace. We're all different, and that means we each drive differently. That's why Root Insurance is all about you. You're braking, you're turning, how much you drive, or how little. Everything you're doing behind the wheel to make the road a safer place for all of us. Root focuses on what really matters, your driving. In fact, that's the number one factor we use to give you a better price. You, that's what matters. Download the Root app today. Disclaimers may apply. See joinroot.com for details. The world has changed, and Microsoft Teams is there to help us stay connected. Teams is the safe and secure way to chat, meet, call, and collaborate. To learn more, visit Microsoft.com slash Teams. People who are sick should stay home. You don't go to an emergency room. You don't go to a clinic. You get on the phone, and you ask for advice and instructions from your physician. Then you use those instructions to determine what you're going to do, but the first reflex should not be, I feel sick, I'm going to go to an emergency room. I feel sick, I'm going to just go to a doctor's office. We need to physically separate. Ultimately, you may need, obviously, to see a physician or to go to a hospital. The first reflex should be to make a call to your physician. Amazon Prime members now get free grocery delivery with a minimum order. You'll get your groceries with two-hour delivery. So in that time, you can finally figure out where the biblioteca is, learn how to play the acoustic guitar, and I guess get a puka shell necklace. Do a makeup tutorial, but realize halfway, contouring is hard, and you're beautiful just as you are. Whatever it is you're doing with your time, your shopper will be carefully picking out your favorite organic meats, produce, dairy, and snacks while providing contactless delivery to your door. Free two-hour grocery delivery, now with Prime. Okay, let's see here. Zip 30313, number of employees 11, Okay, find health plans. Only United Healthcare makes it this simple for small business owners to compare and shop health plans. Find the information you need and get a quote in minutes online anytime. And if you need help, we're there with personalized guidance and recommendations. Get started at smallbusiness.uhc.com. Based on an analysis of shopping capabilities among national insurance carriers, United Healthcare 2020. Insurance coverage provided by or through United Healthcare Insurance Company or its affiliates.